welcome once again to the hottest wrestling hour each and every Monday night. It is WCW Monday Nitro Live, the only live wrestling broadcast this Monday night. And it's coming to you here again on TNT Live from Knoxville. And we have got an explosive night of hard-hitting wrestling action coming your way, including a big six-man main event that we'll be talking about in just a few minutes. But Mongo, Bobby, last week, man, it was the booty man, and he kicked some booty while he was here, dude. Well, he certainly uh, certainly did, you know, and everybody's talking about the pay-per-view coming up uncensored on the 24th of March, but this could be uncensored tonight. We could see things happen here with Hogan and that big six-man tag that you may never see again. Don't leave your rented furniture. Stay tuned. Welcome to where the big boys play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro, our week-by-week -week breakdown of WCW's flagship show where each episode is reviewed on the 20th anniversary of its airing. I am your host, Tim Root, and with me, as always, are my broadcast partners. It's the original Dungeon of Doom, the Taskmaster, David Aventorp. <laughs> Congratulations, I Dave. <laughs> I am so excited to begin the booty, 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 booty man era. And the man they call Loch Ness, John Amantorp. <laughs> Weighing in today at 695 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it is February 26, 1996, and we are coming to you from Knoxville, Tennessee, at the Knoxville Civic Center in front of 5,200 fans uh, 3,734 of whom paid for a total gate of $42,000. I don't know why I said like that there was more to come. That's, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, before we get into this week's show, I want to remind you that you can find us at facebook.com slash 20 years of nitro at Twitter at 20 years of nitro. You can email the show at 20 years of nitro at gmail.com. And you can find us in the OSW podcast section of piledriverwrestling.net. And as always, you guys, you can find us on the Freakin' Awesome Network. Freakin' Awesome, man. At FreakinAwesomeNetwork.net. How are you guys feeling this week? You excited for another Nitro? <laughs> yes. Can't wait. Yeah. Six-man <laughs> tag. I mean, we're finally going to resolve all those issues between Hogan and Flair and all of those guys. Yep, this will be the final battle. I'm sure they'll the final kind of, the final conflict will be resolved. <laughs> it's already starting to feel a little weird. We had uh, you know, just a couple of weeks between Clash of the Champions, which isn't really a proper pay-per-view anyway. Uh, but between that and Super Brawl, and it really feels already even though we're only a couple of weeks removed from Super Brawl, uh, that we have got a long way to go before Uncensored, right. which is towards the end of March. Yeah. There is there's a long period between pay-per-views here. Uh, a lot to get through, a lot of storylines developing, a lot of things changing in WCW, uh, and let's go through them all. Uh, to start our show this week, kind of a cool new pyro uh, thing they did. At the beginning, you get uh, up the aisle, you get a WCW logo being like, you know, projected through from the lights, mm -hmm. and it the logo actually moves up the aisle, and then when it reaches the entrance ramp, that's when the pyro goes off. It, it was explodes. Just, yeah, <laughs> it was it was just different. I actually kind of thought it was neat and uh, different from any intro that we've seen to the show so far. The announcers hype the card, and Mongo confirms uh, something that they didn't outright say last week when the Booty Man debuted, uh, that 
he is indeed a uh, reformed Zodiac. Mm-hmm. He, uh, they, you know, they hinted at this. They never outright said exactly what was going on, but we finally do start to get some explanation of that storyline that the Booty Man was Hulk Hogan's spy within the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, does that make any sense to <laughs> I, you guys? I call, I call bullshit on that. <laughs> There's no way. There, the, you, you can't pretend that that even made any sense. Like, at what point did they have the Booty Man Summit where they sat down <laughs> and resolved their issues and made plans <laughs> yeah. to destroy the Dungeon of Doom? Listen, brother. I need you to go into the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, to kind of go over his history pre-Nitro, he debuted in WCW as Hogan's ally, uh, Brother Brutai. (laughs) Then he turned on Hogan and was known as the Butcher, and they main-evented Starcade like, 94. Yeah. Uh, And then he basically disappeared. He came back as uh, the man with no name. He had, like, amnesia. He didn't know who he was. (laughs) And then he was converted by uh, Kevin Sullivan and the Master mm-hmm. uh, into the Zodiac. Right. So he's been the Zodiac since the summer of 1995, which is a long fucking time ago in wrestling terms. Yeah. In that entire period, the Dungeon of Doom has beat up Hulk Hogan a number of times. Mm-hmm. They've conspired against him to steal his belt uh, when they had Jimmy Hart join them by creating that contract that gave the belt uh, to the giant even in the event of a disqualification. Yeah. So there's so many opportunities where if he had a spy, right. it would have actually helped. <laughs> right. But when does he actually choose to reveal his spy? It's during just one of a thousand random beatdowns at the end of a Nitro episode. Mm-hmm. It's not at some big crowning moment where he wins the belt or he prevents something insane from happening. Yeah. All he does is just stop one of the many beatdowns that has gone on as a result of the Dungeon And it's of not Doom. even like, you know, for a few weeks they're like, but where is the Zodiac? Yo, right. yeah. all this. <laughs> and besides that, they had teased for, for a month that the Zodiac was starting to, like, uh, feel kinship back towards Hogan. He would stop the giant from attacking him. He would say that Hogan was his friend. Mm-hmm. If he was a spy... Wouldn't that be the last thing that he would want to yeah, do? Kind of a giveaway. To start <laughs> give, throwing suspicion on himself for showing empathy for his worst enemy? It's it's such a terrible, terrible storyline. What yeah. a weird, weird decision. Uh, and by the way, uh, just because the more I'm hearing myself talk, the more it's getting to be. You can probably tell I'm quite stuffed up this week with a cold, so I apologize for anyone uh, dealing with my nasally bullshit this week. Tonight, the announcers tell us we're going to get a massive six-man tag team match that we were promised at the end of last week's show, and that is Hogan, the Macho Man, and the Booty Man versus Art Anderson, Ric Flair, and Kevin Sullivan. Uh, We're also going to see the Road Warriors versus Harlem Heat, and Stig and Luger, our tag team champions, will both be in singles matches. Yeah, when I heard it, I I was excited for the idea of the Road Warriors versus Harlem Heat. Absolutely. I don't think we have seen that yet since the Road Warriors... Nope. came back and uh I don't know they're like they're two top teams and they're it's a tag team match that doesn't involve Sting and Lex Luger right. so that's a nice change. And it's a it's a logical match to happen too because uh it was at Super Brawl where the Road Warriors cost uh Harlem Heat the tag team titles. Yeah. Because Road Warriors had an agreement to face whoever had won the the first match for some reason they wanted to face Sting and Luger. Mm-hmm. So they interfered and made sure that Sting and Luger won the match. Uh, so Harlem Heat has reason to be pissed. Yeah, and it's again, and we've seen this a number of times with Harlem Heat, uh, where they are, they should be the babyfaces. 
Right. You know, they, they're they not doing anything wrong. They've been cheated out of the belts. They have every right to be pissed off. Yeah, mm. nothing but the face paint right now suggests that the road wires should be baby faces, like, in any way. Right. They've only won matches by cheating, and they've sneak attack teams and... <laughs> and complained a lot. Yeah, complained about not like, being... Like, I mean, they, they clearly lost to Sting and Luger, then they basically complain about getting another match yeah. right after the match ended. Well, our first match of the night is going to be Sting taking on Big Bubba Rogers. Uh, I, I, it seems like they've dropped the Rogers, just Big Bubba for all intents and purposes by this point. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember, you know, he was part of the Dungeon of Doom when we first were introduced to him, and now at no point was there, like, an official split. He's just completely on his own, you know, since, I don't know, October, November of last year. He's really disassociated with them. How long has it been since he's been on Nitro at this point? He was in the second episode. So yeah, and then since then. Or no, he was in the first episode. Yeah. Oh, oh. You're asking how long the break yeah, wh- was. Yeah, when was the last appearance on Nitro? Before I believe months, it would right? be before World War Three when he had a match against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, oh, no, the... no, he had a match that that was he lost because Duggan interfered, uh, leading to their taped fist match. Okay, at uh, that paper. Oh, is that when? <laughs> is that when he was tripped and he landed on his own taped fist and yeah. knocked himself out? Yes, <laughs> that's a good gimmick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I believe that is the, uh, and I might be wrong, but I believe that's the last time we saw him on Nitro. So a few months, definitely. Okay, so, yeah, so I mean, I, I guess it's it's another one of the weird things WCW does where basically every heel is in a stable of some kind, but yeah. none of them have managers that will, like, regularly accompany them. to the, Like, Jimmy Hart comes out with a couple guys, but, like, the Dungeon of Doom will have ten guys in the stable, and then the guys all go out on their own. Right. So it's hard to tell at this point if he's still associated with them. Uh, in our first audio clip that you'll hear now, Bischoff decides to spoil the results of the World Whining Federation's Monday Night Raw. Clever. And right off the bat, I want to let all you fans know, with remote controls in your hand, over at the uh, World Whining Federation, here's how it goes down. DQ, Yoko is doing in a handicap match. Take the snake, Roberts. You're talking about picking up some balls here. Okay, we got that out of the way. Now you are where the action is, and the action is live. Who knows what's going So there you go. Uh, you know, if you hear the history of this, especially from WWE's side, uh, it, you want to. It seems like they were doing it every week. You know, that they were just constantly doing it. This is only the third time that I could actually remember it happening. Right. Uh, the first time, certainly, there's the uh, you know Shawn Michaels beat Sid with the Kick, green he belt couldn't get kick, a green yeah. belt for at the karate store. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have money. Can I give you this terrible kick instead? <laughs> then, uh, then he did the Raw Bowl, which I believe was January first of this year. The so toilet this is, Bowl. Yeah, yep, that's the one. <laughs> and now this is just uh, so. This is the third example of him spoiling uh, the results of Raw. Yeah, and I don't even think he's really doing it with the um, idea that, hey, if I tell him who's going to win all these matches, no one will watch. I think it's just him kind of trying to be an asshole just to be annoying. Yeah, because I think that's he, kind of his only end Every, every time it. he does it, he just kind of rattles it off. He doesn't make it like a big point where like everyone listens to what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. Well, he's walking, yeah, he's walking a tightrope of wanting to like spoil it, but also wanting to make it seem so unimportant that yeah. he couldn't give a shit. Yeah, right. It's we saw him do the same thing when he told people to call into the hotline to get the results of the WWF pay per view. Like he he right. has to say that's enticing enough news for you to pay us money. Yeah. But he also wants to be like, 
but it's also bullshit. Who cares? <laughs> it's like he wa- he really wants yeah. his cake and to eat it yeah. too. He he's walking a tightrope as far as like what kind of asshole he wants to be. <laughs> uh, you know, and and in that the spoilers this week, uh, the one thing I want to say about him, I really don't mind the spoilers. I think it was a smart and inventive way of him to play up a strength of his show and a weakness of Raw. Mm-hmm. That's fine with me. Yeah. What I did not like this week were some of the comments that he made about Jake the Snake and Bob Hawley. Uh, I don't like when you go after the guys specifically. Right. You know, he says, oh, so-and-so beat Bob Hawley. He's still around? Yeah. Fuck you. That's a guy trying to make a living. That's and, a guy trying to feed his family. And some sort of leave ref- him the fuck alone. Yeah, and some sort of reference about Jake Roberts being old. Right. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> like, look who's in your promotion. The combined ages of the guys in this main event is probably like 300 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, Bob Hawley is not a main... You know, he's spark plug Bob Hawley or whatever at this Sparky point. Sparky plug. He's yeah. not making a ton of money. Like, yeah. this is not a guy who should be buried like this it just was completely unnecessary yeah not a guy who whose star power would otherwise threaten your show right right uh goofy entrance sting is once again in attendance yep. on nitro is he kind of acts like he's sneaking through the smoke created by his pyro i yeah. like that uh this is correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think we've seen this before this is uh the first appearance of like dark blonde sting hair He's he's like stop bleaching it and oh, it's now going sure. to like it's more natural dark blonde color mm-hmm. and I think that this is the first time we've seen that I think between last appearance and this one he's either dyed it or rinsed out the dye I don't know how yeah dye I think works he or, but. I think around <laughs> in like mid ninety five I think he just stopped bleaching it and letting it grow out but mm-hmm. I think at this point the the blonde highlights are gone yeah this is I all I know is this is the first week where I thought wow Sting's hair looks really dark. So it might have been a gradual process, but this is definitely the first time I noticed it. Yeah, and when I remember Sting, just because, like, I was, like, 10 at this time, like, when I think back about Sting before, like, he did, like, the the crow stuff, this is how I remember him, having, like, the the long, like, dark brown hair and everything like that. I mean, it's definitely better than, like, the the crew cut with the rat tail and all that stuff from the early 90s, so. Bischoff tells us that Sting has been hanging out a lot with uh, Steve Grissom, the WCW race car driver, yeah. and he congratulates Steve for placing fifth in last Sunday's Winston Cup race, uh, <laughs> even though in the Winston Cup, Steve Grissom doesn't drive the WCW car. That's only used in some like lesser circuit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it's also hilarious that he congratulates him for pl- placing fifth and then goes, winners attract winners. That's <laughs> just how it goes. <laughs> Do you know how many cars are even in those races? I have no fucking clue. You haven't. I, it, you, it, you it missed the last be series of recordings, or it could be like twelve, and yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, you could tell me either the two, and I. Wouldn't you weren't know. here. We've kind of shit all over. <laughs> well, I shouldn't even say we. I've sort of shit all over car racing for yeah. two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, I don't have a fucking clue how many yeah, cars like are is, in that goddamn is stupid even, race. Is fifth even good? I mean, what if there's like thirteen cars? Like fifth is like <laughs> losing. You know? Uh, yeah. Who gives a fuck? That's what I say. All I know is if you attract, if you, uh, excuse me, if you're fifth place, you aren't a winner and you're not attracting other winners. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> there is a weirdo in the crowd uh, directly across from the hard camera. So you see him constantly throughout the show. And he is wearing like a life-size rubber Bart Simpson mask. Like it's I, a- I didn't notice because I kept noticing the grandmother that was closer to the camera. Oh, we will talk about grandma. <laughs> right. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not, like with all of what she's doing, I did not notice who was across the way. Yeah, the grandma, and uh, we will talk about her a lot. She is on the side of the hard camera. So we mm-hmm. see her back because she's in the front row. Yep. And throughout the entire evening, 
She is standing up in the front row. She's mouthing off to the wrestlers. And she's walking away from her seat back and forth down the row just in front of all of the other people who paid good money to have front row seats. And now they've got this old woman in front of them. Yeah. And I guess I was going to say this for later, but let's just talk about it now. Do you think she was a plant? I do. Yeah. Kind of. I kind of felt that. There's also... During the show, there's a point where security comes in and escorts someone out, and my initial reaction was that someone was getting really mad about her and kind of maybe create a scene, and they escorted that person out instead of the grandmother. But it does look at another point, though, like security is warning her. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it probably is a plant, but at the same time, if, if the whole idea is to make your show hip and young and edgy, Right. Having like a ninety-year-old woman there, yeah, and like as the as a fan that you focus on, seems odd. So I that's one reason I don't think it was a pl- or I'm I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Another reason would be the announcers never acknowledge her. Yeah, if she was a plant, you'd think they would have like played off her in a you know a small not not even a full angle, but just sure. you know Luger comes down and he mouths off you know he gets into it with her or whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so the fact that the announcers never acknowledge it makes me kind of throw my hands up and say, I do not know if this was a plant or not. Yeah, I think she's a plant because um, something I remember reading in the Death of WCW book, too, is that like um, WCW had a this history of like paying like supermodels to sit in like the front rows too sure and i don't think they ever acknowledged them at that time either sure and plus like this lady like she's like standing like on the edge of the guardrail and stuff like that and like reaching over at the wrestlers you kind of think they would have thrown her out at some point and there there is a famous uh famous well there's there's a well-known gif of Hogan having like a purse swung at him by an old lady. Yeah, and it looks a lot like the same lady. Seems to like me. the same lady. Yeah. So I I think it is possible that she's a lady that WCW occasionally pays to make it look like the heels have a lot more heat. You know that like <laughs> literally little old ladies want to kill these heels. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba soaks up the booze of the crowd. He is like he is really having fun this week. Well, he's actually on this week, so yeah. <laughs> he's, he's probably making, pretty excited about that. He's making the most of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they lock up, and Bubba pushes Sting into the corner. The ref breaks it up, and uh, you know this is where the the heel normally backs off, only to cheap shot the baby face. But Bubba goes, I'm a nice guy, and <laughs> makes a huge show of like backing all the way off with no cheap shot. He's right. like, look at what a good guy I am. <laughs> it's really, really funny. Uh, he then offers his hand to Sting for a handshake, and Sting slaps Big Bubba. Fuck yeah. you, Sting. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> Sting gets a drop toe hold and a awful bulldog, a just real terrible shitty bulldog. Uh, and Bubba sells it really hilariously. He takes the bulldog and then pops up onto his knees yeah. and then, like, has a seizure. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> Coming off the rope, Sting jumps at Big Bubba, who catches him, and looks to be going for an Alabama slam, but instead Sting grabs the ropes behind Bubba to stop the like slam in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bubba eventually manages to use his power to pull Sting off, but uh, he hits an atomic drop instead of the Alabama slam. A right hand to Sting's jaw sends the Stinger slumping over the second rope, where Bubba squashes him with a leg, uh, before doing this thing that wrestlers do all the time, where he... He wants to go to Sting's like hanging to the outside mm-hmm. and Bubba wants to go to the outside to punch him in the face. Does he just like get down to the ground and roll out of the ring? No, he runs into the ropes on the far side of the ring and then slides out of the ring. Look, it looks cool. I yeah, I like that. Move. 
That's the only We can all reason. agree that that's a good move. <laughs> it's one of those things in wrestling that does not make sense, but I do like. Yeah. And, and, and that's actually something, too, that he was, like, one of the only guys that used to do that back in the day. Yeah. And it's sort of like how the people's elbow, like, started right. out as a cartoonish dumb thing that a stupid cocky asshole wrestler did. But right. Now everyone's got their people's elbow type of move. And, but I this is cool, though, because he's the only one that's doing it at the time. I have always really liked Christian's variation on this, where he'll sh- slingshot himself over the top rope. Mm-hmm. So he'll like leap all the way over the top rope, all the way down to the floor, and then just punch a guy in the yeah. face. Yeah, <laughs> I've always really liked that. Uh, so I-, I agree. This is it's a fun thing to see. Uh, the camera cuts to a wide shot of the ring, and this is when we first see the little old lady who's just walking up and down the row, uh, yelling at Bubba the entire time. We get a splash by Bubba for two. Sting fights back into the match with uh, punches, but Bubba counters with a spine buster. He, after he got the splash, didn't, isn't that when he went for the nonchalant cover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was interesting because it's like, Bubba's never won on Nitro. Don't you think he put a little bit more effort? <laughs> he, he acts like he's, don't act like you've been here before. You've never been here before. <laughs> uh, I, I am having trouble. I just wrote my notes here. I'm having trouble watching the match because I can't, Decide if I want to watch the guy in the Bart mask who is apparently adjusting glasses that he's wearing over the mask, <laughs> or the little old lady. And now I just noticed, uh, or now in terms of when I was writing these notes, that I noticed there's the two women closest to Bart who might be with him, but I don't think they are. They're wearing matching gigantic floppy blue and white checked hats. <laughs> like, what the fuck, Knoxville? Like, what is with your crowd? I think it's like a horse race. <laughs> <laughs> We get elbows from Bubba to Sting, followed by a big splash in the corner, which sends Stinger to the mat. Uh, Bobby wonders if all of Sting's tag team work lately has left him unprepared for singles action, which I thought was very good ring announcing. That was fantastic. Agreed. Bubba kisses his hand and uses it to slap his ass at the crowd, which which really pisses off the old lady. (laughs) I think he might even do it at her specifically, but I'm not positive. We get a clothesline from Bubba for a two count. Bubba sets up Sting for a side Russian leg sweep, which is weird because I don't you don't normally see that move. Mm-hmm. And Bischoff is even like, is he setting him up for a, a Russian leg sweep? But instead, he just punches him in the gut, <laughs> and Bischoff like wonders why he didn't do it. And to me, it almost seems like it's a move that he knows, but he's been told he's such a big, powerful guy that he shouldn't be technically wrestling. He should be using power moves. So he was like, out of instinct, he put him in the setup and then was like, oh, shit, I better just punch him in the gut instead. (laughs) Bubba tosses Sting to the outside up against the barrier where the little old lady immediately, like, crawls over to where uh, Sting is to, like, I don't know, tell him that everything is going to be okay, I guess. (laughs) As Bubba approaches the fallen stinger, she jawjacks at uh, him for a bit and goes apeshit and stands on the barrier like she might start taking a swing at him. Bubba rolls Sting back into the ring, and you can see a security guard uh, that I mentioned earlier talking to her. And I yeah. feel like he's probably telling her, like, man, please stay in your seat. But who knows? <laughs> we get a terrible pile driver by Sting, who sets up Bubba <laughs> for a, a pile driver, but instead of falling backwards... He goes forward, like, almost like it's a tombstone pile driver. Right. Except for Bubba's, you know, not facing him like in a tombstone. He's facing outward. It's, re- I, I don't get it. Does Sting normally do pile drivers like that? Because he doesn't it's, do them that often, so. It seems like a, a case where, like, halfway through, he just didn't have the strength. Like, he kind of, like, the strength came out on him, so he just, like, dropped him the quickest way possible. That could be. Uh, both men are now exhausted, and they trade punches in the middle of the ring. 
Bubba eats a boot in the corner, and Sting goes for a second uh, rope splash, Vader style. Yes. Uh, yep. But Bubba gets his knees up. Bubba tosses Sting to the outside and heads up to the top row. Uh, but Sting trips him very poorly by just kind of touching his shoe. He's like, yeah, good enough. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Bubba falls forward onto the mat. Sting climbs to the top rope and comes off with a flying crossbody for the one, two, three. And that is the exact same move that he beat Bubba with all the way back in, like, episode two or three, whenever these guys faced off on Nitro for the first time. Yeah, like, um, in October, October, November, Sting was beating people with the crossbody from the top rope. So when he hit it, I was like, yeah, that that's his unofficial new finisher. So I was like, yeah, he's done. I'm not a fan of that because I don't think he looks very good coming off the top rope. I agree. I don't know if it was that Bubba asked him not, like, maybe for some reason Bubba didn't want to be locked in the Scorpion Deathlock. Maybe he's knees are bad or something i don't know hmm. um who knows but that's the second time he's beat bubba with that move specifically so. it, it also looks weird for like a smaller guy to do a cross body on a bigger guy and like that thwarts him mm-hmm. i actually thought that this was a good match i was i was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. um and i thought bubba he really entertained me this week he's he's an underrated gem in wrestling in general i feel like and definitely this week what did you guys think yeah i i also feel like that bubba um can be on and off too like sometimes when he he's just doesn't have that entertainment factor or just doesn't seem as into it um but no i thought i thought this time it, it seemed like he was maybe maybe he was like well if i seem really excited and do a really good job they'll let me be on nitro again <laughs> <laughs> no but this was i, I mean considering it was pr- essentially a throwaway match they just wanted to do this kind of like angle where sting and luger wrestle singles matches i thought it was a really good yeah, I thought it was good too, and I, I, I didn't actually really care for Big Bubba or like the Boss Man or the Guardian Angel or or whatever um, back then. But watching him now, um, I really appreciate like how big he was, but how um, agile he still was. Right. And I really like that. Um, unlike a lot of the sort of like '80s WWF kind of holdover guys, um, he is big on like combinations. Like he won't just hit a move and then taunt and pull the guy up and hit another move. Like um, he's good at stringing two or three things together going for pins, and I like that because it's really unlike what any of the other big guys are doing at that time. So overall, I thought it was a good match. Yeah, and also he, uh, unlike a lot of other like kind of like big guys or or heels in particular, he has like an idea of like um, what personality his heel is. Right. And he does, and I think this this match probably like was the best example of that. We're told that after uh, the commercial, we're going to get Luger versus Renegade. Speaking of guys we haven't seen on Nitro in forever, uh, we haven't seen Renegade since he lost to the Taskmaster back on the November 6th Nitro, which seemed like it was going to be an end of the character. Uh, mm-hmm. You you may remember they wiped the makeup off the Renegade. Uh, Jimmy Hart was yelling, like, now you're just Rick, which is his real name. Yeah. Uh, so it seemed like they were like, sending him off for repackaging completely. So I'm actually kind of surprised to see him come back under the Renegade name at all. Yeah, not only that, because especially last week when when I was mentioning that the booty, 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 booty man yep. was acting like the Ultimate Warrior, that uh, ne- the next week the Ultimate Warrior like imitator shows up again. Here's, here's my thought on that. Uh, as we noted last week, WWF has just announced that the Ultimate Warrior is going to be returning. Mm-hmm. Is WCW's plan to, to have two Ultimate Warriors? I'll sh- <laughs> you I'll, think your maybe, one real yeah. Ultimate Warrior is great? We've got two terrible yeah, fake yeah, ones. Clearly, our our Ultimate Warrior sucks. But what if we have two of them? Yeah, like, <laughs> we'll see your Ultimate Warrior and raise you 
two <laughs> Ultimate Warriors. <laughs> and Vince just goes, oh, wait, one of yours is Ed Leslie? Uh, I think we're fine. <laughs> and the other one's just some guy. <laughs> the other one, one is a Rick. former dick dancer. <laughs> After a commercial, we get the Road Warriors confronting Sting and Lex Luger. And let's go to the audio tape. <laughs> we are back with more WCW Monday Night Go Live from Knoxville, Tennessee, ladies and gentlemen. Abundance of tag team talent here at World Championship Wrestling, including the current tag team champion, Sting and Lex Luger. But, Hawk Animal, gentlemen, I know you've got something you want to interject regarding the subject matter. We know something, Gene. Sting is no secret here to people in World Championship Wrestling. You've been a brother in pink to the Warriors for a long time. We know exactly where you stand, Luger. We know you're a cheap shot. But Sting, where is your head at? Ain't you got good enough sense to know what he's all about? We're the champions, Tom Stinger. We're the champions, aren't we? Right here. We're wearing the championship belts. You know something, Luger? You're a big, bad, tough guy. You know Hulk and I, we're the masters of every dangerous match there is in the world. Well, Hulk will wrestle you any kind of match, any time, any place, anywhere. Because we're the champions. Stinger said so. I say so. Any kind of match, any time. We're well, not scared of Luger. Is that right, tough guy? You, you know, Steve, Luger's out here saying he's from Chicago. Luger, you're not from Chicago. You don't know what it's like to have to fight to your scratch for everything. Hey, the closest you've been to downtown and the hood is when you dropped off your Stinger laundry to be clean. Stinger, Stinger, tell him. I'm from Chicago. I know what Chicago's like. You tell him. Lex, huh. you are from the white collar section of Chicago. They're from the street. They're from Halstead Street. The key word is street. They're monsters from the street. Well, we're not afraid of these monsters because we're the champions in WCW. And don't you, and don't you forget it, Luger. You remind me of a washing machine. You really agitate us. Lest we forget, we are the Road Warriors. And if we want to go to the Atlanta Zoo and knock out Willie B. the Gorilla, so be it. We'll do it. And let me tell you something, Luger. I'm sure you're from Chicago, as we are. I'm sure you're a tough guy. And you want to do a Chicago street fight? I'm sure you'll excel. I'm sure you're looking forward to it. I'm sure you're just dying to get in the ring and do an all-out Chicago street fight with us. But you want to know something, Luger? Oh, what a rush. You want a Chicago street fight? Well, the belts, they got it, huh, Stinger? You tell them. I'll tell you what, I thank you very much, Lex Luger, staying in the Road Warriors, Chicago street fight. What does that mean, anyways? I don't know, I've been at a bar too in Rush Street, and I've I got an idea what, what it might be. Chicago 30 seconds fight. from now, what did you just say? I'm from Chicago, what is a Chicago street fight? As these two say, we're going to be right Why back. Don't go away. So here, here are the questions I have uh-huh. after hearing that clip. Why did Lex Luger accept a match that he didn't understand the rules to? <laughs> Why is Sting mad when at last month at Clash of the Champions, he gladly accepted a challenge from the Legion of Doom or uh, the Road Warriors yep. that Lex was opposed to? Uh-huh. Like, isn't he a massive hypocrite for being mad when Lex just does the same thing now? <laughs> and lastly, why is a Chicago street fight being held in Tupelo, Mississippi? That was the biggest question I had. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really weird because Lex is from Chicago, the Road Warriors are from Chicago, and 
most of this promo is about the Road Warriors telling Lex that he's not from the real Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, they're like name dropping streets and stuff like that. It's like a Chicago geography lesson. Now, I, I feel like to most people, they would be totally lost as to what any of this is about or why it's important. But I feel like you, the three of us, are uniquely qualified because we went to college. Uh, we all went to the same college. And at that particular university, there were many, many people who said they were from Chicago. Right. When you asked them where they were from, though, you would learn after after a little bit longer, you would learn that they were actually from like an hour outside Chicago. Yeah. And many of them were very, very rich. This was a small private school. And, mm-hmm. and there were the occasional very rich person. Right. No, I, I do remember when I visited when I would visit friends that are from Chicago, I actually never went into Chicago during those visits. There was one exception, though. Uh, we have a friend named Nick, and and one time I went to his place, and I remember saying, like, okay, I need your address, and he gave it to me, and the address was Chicago, Illinois, was, like, in the address. Yeah. And I was shocked that I actually knew someone who said they were from Chicago who was fucking from <laughs> Chicago. <Right>. <laughs> so I guess, I guess like, that experience has given me enough to know, like, what the Road Warriors are getting at here, that a lot of people that say they're from uh, Chicago are actually from, like, Evanston and all these fucking rich-ass suburbs. Yeah. And so they're accusing Lex of that. But to the to most audience, like I don't know where Lexus, I don't know what neighborhood he's from or what suburb. Yeah, cares. you've told me for years that he's from Chicago. That's all I know. Okay, right. he's from Chicago. <laughs> like, and not only that, but Sting is more qualified to talk about who from Chicago is actually tough than Lex Luger is, who's actually from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, they have agreed to a Chicago street fight at some unspecified point in the future. Keep for- keep that in mind. They have agreed to. A, a fight with no rules, mm-hmm. and the next pay-per-view is known as a pay-per-view that features matches with no rules. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like we can make some safe assumptions there, but just keep that in the back of your mind as we <laughs> talk later in the show. All By right. the way, I thought Lex Luger is ex- absolutely hysterical Amazing. In this He's yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, chicken shit, um, like, towing the line between face and heel Lex Luger is like by far the most compelling character on Nitro at this point. Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit over the past few weeks, like just how incredible Lex Luger has been and how mind blowing that is. Mm-hmm. Because I normally think of him as such like a fucking uh, well, I was going to say very, st- very wooden. Yeah, lacking he's, charisma. He's normally the most boring part of any show he's on, and yeah. he's he's known for mostly for getting pushes that went nowhere because he couldn't live up to them. Mm-hmm. This is the one character that he is an absolute master of, and they should have, I don't know how many years you could have gotten mileage out of this, but they should have, like, never dropped this. Because <laughs> as soon as it's done, he goes back to being Lex Luger. You yeah, know? it's it's li- literally when he's tag team champion. Like, when he wins the title, that's when he becomes this character, and when they lose it, then he stops. And it's not like they didn't realize this either, because uh, on the, the Kevin Sullivan podcast that I listened to, he talks, anytime he talks about these this period and Lex Luger, he says that this is for him the best that Lex Luger ever was. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like it's just the three of us that are saying that after the fact. You know, the guys that were in there booking this stuff knew that it was the best Lex Luger they had ever got. Mm-hmm. Renegade runs out and there's some audio miscommunication as his theme doesn't start off until he's all the way to the ring. <laughs> so he runs out and he does, you know, he's doing the Ultimate Warrior entrance where he runs out like a house of fire, which is extra weird when there's no music playing. Yeah. And then we get the uh, the classic uh, Luger leaves only to re-enter again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yep. Which, for his character, that makes sense. Like, his vanity, like, he wants his fireworks and his music and to get his big flexes in and all that stuff. This is a case where it actually works, even <laughs> though it's 
basically just bad production, I think. He he comes out with his uh, tag team belt, and he kind of just tosses it on the ground so he can <laughs> flex. And let's go to an audio clip of uh, Mongo trying to figure out exactly what belt that is that Lex Luger has. <laughs> Look at him. He's coming out there with his belt, a single belt. That's a tag team belt, isn't it? So there you go. One of your three announcers uh, for your flagship show does not know which championship Lex Luger holds currently <laughs> in your company. And also, there, when he's going down to the ring, there's that weird moment where Lex is like, keeps looking at the belt to make sure he has it right side up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like so over the top. I feel like he's doing it on purpose. Maybe. maybe. At this point, anything Lex Luger does. I'm willing to concede might be the work of a comedic mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> but he just like does it, he does it like a few times when it's obvious he has it figured out right. right. But it just I'm like, what is this do what's he doing? <laughs> After a commercial, uh, we get the match starting. I did notice that Renegade does not have makeup on. So there was that one concession to uh. what we had seen before. The makeup does not come back. He dominates with shoulder blocks until Lex bails out to the outside to regroup. And I've noticed that whenever Lex is a heel, this is how all of his matches start off. If he's against a mid-card guy, mm -hmm. if he's against a top guy, you know, that can be different. But if he's against a mid-card guy, uh, we saw it when he faced uh, Bagwell one week and Riggs the next week. Yeah. He gets dominated right away, and then he comes to the outside of the ring and kind of regroups. I remember in one of the times he was doing it, it's when you noted that uh, when when the camera cut to him, he, he was saying to himself, on national television. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, not only is he regrouping, but uh, but a lot of times it seems like he he's like objecting to like I, he, he can't do that. Yeah, he's like offended by the effort yeah. the other guy is yeah. giving. I can't work under these conditions. The other mm -hmm. guy's trying to wrestle too. Yeah, Scotty Riggs drop kicked me. Luger gets an eye gouge and a punch and gets back in the ring. Uh, Renegade pushes him over to the corner and hits some corner punches, but Luger hits an atomic drop. Renegade gets a clothesline for a two count. A back body adopt by a renegade sends a Luger down, and Bischoff informs us that the renegade has been working out in the power plant. Uh, does it seem weird to you that you would tell us that one of your wrestlers on your flagship show is currently, like, training to be a better wrestler? <laughs> I, I, I feel like that they always try to insinuate power plant with, like, I mean, I guess I guess you're right. I mean, but like that going to the dojo instead of going to learn yeah, to do like, a back body drop. And, yeah, like instead of like bringing their uh their skills up another level not necessarily like learning okay. how to wrestle well he does he does also uh mention that you may he says like you may have seen the commercials for the power so it seems okay. like maybe they're trying to say like if you go to the power plant you are like this guy on our show right now is at the power plant you know so maybe it's you a method could be of the selling. next renegade <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if some of that, too, was um, sort of, like, suggesting that since he got dominated by the Taskmaster so, like, one-sidedly, yeah. like, several months ago, uh, he went back to his roots. Sure, that kinda, could be. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Luger is up against the ropes, and Renegade runs at him and tries to hit, like, a crossbody, but Luger moves, and Renegade just bounces off the top rope back in the ring. It looked that looked really, really cool. It did. It looked cool <laughs> and painful as hell. <laughs> Bischoff hypes uncensored by reminding us uh, of the terrible 18-wheeler match from the last one. Like, of all the matches you would want to remind us of at previous uncensored, why the fuck would you remind us of that one? And the match that got two guys fired yeah, in the company. Yeah, I was going to Like, wasn't that, like, the company's, like, big embarrassment of, like, that spring, basically? Right. 
Luger gets a two count after an elbow drop, and then uh, he hits a side slam for another two. There's some more uh, back and forth. After some back and forth action, the Renegade impressively uh, tosses off a Lex pin attempt, like, you know, one of those pins where you don't just kick out, you throw the guy feet into the air. Yeah. It looked really good. Oh, one of the two girls in the audience with the matching hats uh, took her hat off. So now there's just one. <laughs> now there's one. As you can tell, I'm doing a lot of crowd watching still. <laughs> I like the idea you have a note. Girl took hat off. <laughs> well, I've just been watching the crowd so much. Bart Simpson still wearing his mask. Yeah. He This guy's been wearing a rubber Bart mask the entire mask. And, like, he'll put his hands on the side of his head and be like, oh, no, like if something happens to a baby face. Yeah. He's trying his best to emote while wearing this thing. We used to have that mask, didn't we? I think so. yeah. I think our dad wore it. Yeah, because well, Halloween I'm, one year. I remember I wore like the Michael Myers mask for a Halloween. Those things get like I sweaty. Were, oh, I, I and had uncomfortable. A Myers mask. Yeah, after I like agree. Fi- it, it's like after five minutes. So if you wear it for a whole show, that yeah. that is pretty impressive. A lot of boring back and forth uh, takes place until Luger finally hits a snap suplex. Grandma apparently is a Lex fan. Uh, she suddenly stands up and turns back the crowd with her arms in the air and kind of like a, yeah, you like that? <laughs> <laughs> Are you not entertained? Yeah, so she hates the heels, but she loves tweener Lex Luger. <laughs> Rightfully uh, so. <laughs> Renegade quickly hits a power slam. He whips Lex into the corner for a handspring back splash. Like, you know, he doesn't do the handspring back elbow. He just kind of throws his whole body into him. Mm-hmm. Luger stands there wobbly, and the Renegade hits a very nice bulldog. I wrote the same thing. <laughs> I knew that Tim would appreciate it. It was a really good bulldog. Yeah, yeah good on you. He's been learning down that power plane, because I don't <laughs> remember seeing him do a bulldog before. Not that I've watched a ton of Renegade matches. Yeah, but. Maybe Sting needs to go back to the power plane. Oh, 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 <laughs> Renegade heads to the top rope, and Jimmy Hart runs down and pushes him to the floor below. The ref is checking on Luger, uh, and Luger does not see that. So yeah. kind of playing on that tweener, what does he know, what doesn't he know thing. Uh-huh. Luger rolls the Renegade back into the ring and locks on the torture rack for the victory. Bischoff calls Luger scum, but Luger didn't <laughs> see any of that in his defense, <laughs> so it seems a bit extreme. Scum. Bischoff is always real hyper, uh, hyper... Bischoff always goes over the top with his insults, I feel like. And especially Jimmy Hart. Yes. God, does he hate Jimmy Hart. Uh, In fact, let's go to an audio clip of exactly what Bischoff thinks (laughs) of Jimmy Hart. He hates him so much that he like loses all like reasonable <laughs> analysis. Uh, Hart and Lex celebrate, and Sting comes into the ring, and uh, Hart powders the fuck out of there, <laughs> and Lex hilariously acts like he's kicking Jimmy out. Mm-hmm. Like one second he's hugging Jimmy Hart, and then Sting shows up and he's like, "Get out of here!" <laughs> That's like the boyfriend getting caught making out with another girl yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> But, like, if it was on a cartoon show instead of even, like, a drama. <laughs> we were just studying. Come yeah. on. We were rehearsing for a play. <laughs> <laughs> the makeup play. Yeah. Sting yells at Lex and asks why Jimmy Hart was there, as Sting had apparently forced Lex to choose between himself and Hart. 
and Lex supposedly chose Sting, uh, further getting into love triangle territory. <laughs> Lex X completely mystified about why Hart would be there, and he even goes over to the Renegade and raises his hand like, yes. like okay, fine, Renegade wins. That like, was great. If you're dude. mad at me, the Renegade wins the match. Yeah, and then <laughs> I think Mongo's like, is he giving him the win? <laughs> like, he could do that. Lex Luger has the authority. Right. He's involved in the match. I, I did. I, I really like that that move on his behalf. Yeah. He's like, well, if he cheated, there, there I'll, I'll say that he won. Are you happy now, Sting? It's all for you, Sting. <laughs> Sting is not happy, though, and he actually, like, uses his arms to trap Lex against the ropes where yeah. he just reams him out for, like, quite a while. And it's a very like the positioning's very awkward. Yeah, it's I felt like it's uh it's like it's bullying almost. Like yeah. it's like uncomfortable Be almost. A star stinger. Like Lex <laughs> Lex can't move without fighting Sting. Yeah. He's physically trapped where he is. Yeah. And you wouldn't normally look at Lex Luger and think like, oh my gosh, that poor guy's being bullied. You know? <laughs> right? But it just there was an air of uncomfortableness to yes. the whole thing for me. Mm-hmm. After a commercial, uh, the Harlem Heat and the Road Warriors come out, and then we get another commercial. <laughs> Feels like we're getting that a lot in this episode. Commercial entrances, commercial match. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is better than commercial during the match, so I, I'll, I'll take this kind of format. All four men stare each other down in the middle of the ring for a while before everyone heads to their respective corners. Booker and Hawk are going to start our match. Bischoff promises us that we'll see axe kicks, wheel kicks, spin side kicks, and then tells us that these guys can use their hands, their feet, their bodies, as well as do aerial attacks, and of course, power moves. <laughs> There's, I mean, that's virtually every single thing in wrestling he just uh, promised us that we would see right. in this match. Also, this is a point where I noticed that Stevie Ray, who is not starting in the ring, is like distracted by the grandma. Yes. It's Booker will be later, too. They both kind of talk with her the whole match yeah uh who would have thought that a little old white lady in tennessee would have a problem with the uh, <laughs> harlem heat <laughs> i wonder what i wonder what her issue is <laughs> booker dominates hawk as uh as much as one can dominate a guy who does no selling in yeah. his entire career right <laughs> <laughs> we get a clothesline from hawk before a drop kick uh booker heads to the outside they immediately go right back into the ring and booker takes over with some knees Hawk eventually catches Booker with a backbreaker for a two-count before bringing in Animal. Bischoff and Bobby kill some time discussing a bar in Chicago that they both like. Yeah, uh, I don't know if bar is even the right word for it. Is it a strip club? Yeah, mother. I looked it up because oh, I couldn't figure out what yeah. they were saying, so I looked at, I don't know, Knoxville or whatever. Mother's is definitely a strip club. They <laughs> talk about it for fucking ever. Like, it for like stops 10 be- minutes. Yeah. It stops being announcing, and it just becomes two guys that are like buds uh-huh. talking about some bar or strip club in the same yeah. town that they like. <laughs> it's really, really distracting. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty funny then because, like, they're, they're talking about places to go, and, like, uh, Bischoff's like, oh, like, Mother's. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he, he perks up at the uh-huh. idea of... <laughs> he is otherwise in a daze sitting through the match. <laughs> right. and, oh, huh? <laughs> Booker tags in Stevie Ray, and uh, right around this time, uh, you can just, in very briefly, as the camera cuts from one side of the ring to another, you can see Bart Simpson taking his mask off, Aww. and he will uh, not wear it for the remainder of the show. Ooh. It gets all sweaty in End there. of an era. Um, I just I wanted to point out, I mean, because at this point, Stevie Ray is in the best shape that he... Oh, yeah. He looks great. Yeah. The, between Harlem Heat and the Road Warriors, there's a distinct, like, physical like conditioning difference like yeah the road warriors have like the those kind of tights on to kind of keep their gut in yep 
whereas Harlem Heat just look like jacked beyond belief. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just it's one of those things where like when you just kind of look at it, you think like, oh, Harlem Heat's gonna destroy these guys because those these old men look out of shape. Yeah. Stevie Ray and Animal lock up with no apparent victor. Uh, soon after, Stevie hits a scoop slam after some back and forth. And then Animal levels him with a pair of clotheslines. Animal tags back in Hawk, powerbomb by Stevie Ray after Booker kicks Hawk from the outside of the ring. Bischoff promises that there's extra security around the broadcast booth tonight. Yeah. Uh, and there have been <laughs> so many booth invasions lately. An LOD chant starts up as the Heat dominate uh, Hawk. Booker gets tagged in. Booker hits some knees and then an axe kick for a two count. Stevie Ray is tagged in, and Harlem Heat hit a nice team combo with a side kick from Stevie, a like club to the back by Booker, and then a right hand from Stevie to Rock's jaw to send him down to the canvas for a two count. I thought it was just a cool tag team combination. It looked really slick. Yeah. Hawk makes a brief comeback with an Irish whip, but it is short-lived as he goes for a spear, but Stevie moves out of the way and he hits the ring post with his shoulder. Booker gets tagged back in and hits a jumping wheel kick before tagging Stevie back in for a double suplex for a two-count. There is a lot of tagging in this match, mm-hmm. which I like. I mean, it, too often they fall into the face-in-peril, hot tag, and, the, you know, it's nice to see a t- match where yeah. both teams are getting a lot of tags. You, you would think a successful tag team would tag in and out all the time. Absolutely. So when they do that a lot, it looks like it makes them look like they're tag teams that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Bischoff tells us that he's just got word right now from the executive committee <laughs> that the winner of this match will be the number one contenders for the tag team titles. Uh, Didn't Lex and Sting just agree to a street fight? Yeah. At like, and I, as I mentioned, the next pay per view is one where there are matches with no rules, so we already know what that that match is happening. What what is the point of saying this match is for the number one contendership? And not only that, it just like in the middle of the match, he basically is like the Road Warriors are going to win this match, right? I mean, yes, because there's no way that they agree to this this Chicago street fight and then Harlem Heat wins. You know, there's no way to buy that. So like by him saying that, he, he's pretty much like. Well, I want the I want there to be a reason why the Road Warriors are getting this match. Right. So uh, if we go back a little ways, it was Booker that was tagged in, and then they hit that combo. Uh, Stevie then just stays in the ring afterward, <laughs> and nobody cares who the legal man is. And <laughs> for the rest of the match, this is pretty much how it goes, uh, with the heels specifically. Hawk is whipped in the corner and bounces back into Stevie Ray, and now they're both down. Uh, Hawk manages to get the hot tag to Animal. I believe that Booker then uh, is tagged in across the ring, but the camera kind of misses it. Who is the legal man is like nobody gives a shit for the rest of the match. Right. I mean, it, it seems like with WCW referees, like once they lose control of it in the first right. place, then they kind of are like, whatever, let's, maybe I'll see a tag, maybe I won't. Animal dominates, uh, but the Heat get him up for a double back suplex. Animal manages to flip all the way and land on his feet and come forward with double clothesline. All four men are in the ring at this point. Stevie and Animal spill to the outside, and Booker nails Hawk and sets him up for the Harlem hangover. Booker pins uh, Hawk, but there's no ref as he followed the other guys to the outside for no discernible reason. Also, Animal is still the legal man, not Hawk. (laughs) So he's not taking the legal man. The legal man is outside, and the ref is out there anyway. Booker leans over the ropes, like over the second rope, to see what the fuck Nick Patrick is doing out there, (laughs) and Animal kicks him in the head, allowing Hawk to pick up the pin for the victory even though again hawk is not the legal man in the match <laughs> and it also it, it looks like a cheap win for the road warriors exactly yeah. once again harlem heat lose a match that they shouldn't have lost 
Yeah. Uh, A, it wasn't the legal man doing the pin, and B, you know, it was. I mean, I mean, tag match outside interference isn't exactly cheating, but but yeah. still, it looks. It makes it look like they need to take a shortcut to beat this team. Right. Exactly. Like, and I think at this point the Road Warriors have won one match cleanly, and that would be against the Faces of Fear. Yep, and maybe yep. even that one, I don't even totally remember. And we haven't seen the Faces of Fear since. <laughs> they, oh, they're, no. They're rotting somewhere <laughs> with the Super Assassins. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, they, um, Harlem, or the, the Road Warriors kind of come out and talk a big game, and they have to cheat every time they beat somebody, and they're... Yep sneak attacking teams and interfering in matches like how are they not the heels at this point when when have they hit the doomsday device do they ever i don't think they have at this point no i don't think so either maybe maybe it was something that's like they want to find a way so they don't have to do that i can't remember like, if they did against faces of fear they m- i don't no, think no no Hawk no just gets a Hawk, top rope clothesline yeah that's right and yep. wins kind of out of nowhere after a commercial rick flair's music plays and out comes the nature boy with liz and woman on uh his arms Arn and Sullivan are just kind of walking behind all of them, <laughs> l- l- looking like third and fourth wheels. Flair asks the ladies to twirl, uh, and woman does, but Liz just turns, like, she does a 180 <laughs> and then turns back the same direction she just turned. She can't turn in a circle, you guys. I was like, I was like, Liz, you have one job. He literally pantomimed it with a finger how to do it. <laughs> she is, she's the most awkward person. Yeah. She's, she, oh my God. It's, one of the biggest revelations of doing this podcast has been how 180 my impression of Miss Elizabeth has become. Seriously. Oh, my God. <laughs> what what does she bring to the table exactly? <laughs> uh, one, one theory on that, and who knows how correct, Kevin Sullivan believes that uh, Hulk Hogan made the decision or, like, you know, pushed people to bring back Miss Elizabeth because him and Linda were trying to get Macho and Liz back together. And they thought that if they were forced to work together, maybe they would, like, reignite some sparks. Yeah. It's like a Hogan Knows Best episode <laughs> storyline. <laughs> they should have saved it. I would just say from the outset, I would not believe that. I don't believe that either. I no. think it's Bischoff just reaching into 80s WWF nostalgia and pulling yeah. any act he can. You and, know, and she's obviously, I mean, she's popular. and I mean, I don't know how she makes them any money at all. but Yeah. Th- this is probably a good opportunity to, uh, as ever, because we're, we're – talking about whether Kevin Sullivan can be believed or not with some of the things that he says, because right. I do use him as a primary source on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, he, in one podcast I listened to, they asked, like, where the idea for Uncensored came from. Uh-huh. First, he says that it was his idea, which is ridiculous because it's been around for years before he was the booker. So I don't believe... Even if he was in WCW when it came around, I don't think it was his idea. Uh-huh. And he thinks... Uh, he claims that he did it because... ECW had started running pay-per-views, and he needed a response to that. Nope. <laughs> Uncensored Uncensored has been around since, like, 93 or 94. ECW's first pay-per-view is in, what, 98? 97. 97. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> no. As soon as he said, I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. Just complete bullshit. Like, there's sometimes where just clearly his facts yeah, are wrong. I think ECW at that point, though, had been hosting kind of mega shows. Like, they weren't big enough to be on pay-per-view, but if you, like read into ECW history, they seem to have pay-per-view history back into, like, early 94. Well, we did talk uh, last week about their CyberSlam event where Brian Pillman made his debut for mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. which was like a... Uh, they taped some of the matches and had it on hardcore TV, um, but it was like a big, 
a, a larger event than normal for ECW, and it was like a fan convention in addition to a wrestling show. Sure. So they did, you're right, in that they did have events like that, but it is a complete fabrication to say you were competing with ECW pay-per-views, right. and thus you like came up with the uncensored idea directly to counter them. That's right. just that's <laughs> yeah. nonsense. Yeah, I don't believe that either. <laughs> American-made plays, and this is a very small thing, but one I really liked, they cross-faded the two theme songs. Oh, so okay. as Flair's music comes down, Hogan's music fades up. Yeah. Very cool. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I just noticed it, and I was like, that's neat. I like that. Yeah. There was a response, of course, to Radiohead's popular album at the time that <laughs> right. Kevin Sullivan had to compete with. <laughs> All six men brawl in the ring as we start off. Eventually, it settles down to Arn and, uh, according to Mongo, Brother Booty. <laughs> Don't! <laughs> Bischoff brags about a uh, WCW ad that was in Sunday's USA Today. Dude, it's an ad. You paid for it. It's an ad. What, what look, do you look what I bought? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't an editorial on the success of WCW. <laughs> you paid for it. The, ca- <laughs> the camera suddenly cuts to the Diamond Doll, uh, who is standing in the entranceway, uh, looking amazing. Yes. She looks <laughs> so Holy good. Yeah. No. <laughs> she's wearing this white mini dress. Uh, she's got legs that go all the way to the ground, and she's just <laughs> looking fantastic. Uh, Bischoff lets us know that on Saturday night there was some kind of rift that formed between her and Johnny B. Bad. Uh, and yeah. what, what basically happened uh, on that episode is uh, Diamond Dallas Page is getting all of his stuff repoed now that he doesn't have money anymore. <laughs> and basically Kimberly says that she feels bad for him and Johnny B. Bad doesn't like that. <laughs> oh, and at this point, too, Diamond Dallas Page had been selling his gear to, like, the jobbers. So, like, a guy will come out and just have Diamond Dallas Page <laughs> tights on. He still just gets annihilated by the other guy, but he's wearing Diamond Dallas Page tights. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. uh, apparently, the reason why these uh, the storyline is now uh, including these problems between the Diamond Doll and Johnny B. Bad is he is throwing a fuss backstage about touring around with another man's wife. Uh, he's a pretty religious guy. He's married, and he... He doesn't like that. Bischoff is pissed about that because, like, uh, you know, he doesn't want Jesus to have to approve every storyline he comes up with with no. John, for Johnny B. Bad. Yeah, and uh, Johnny B. Bad has a pretty attractive wife on his own right, too, so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. I just remember that his wife is Sable. Yeah. Sable is not attractive. She Sable do, is She disgusting. never did much for me. I'm sorry. No, like. Back That's then, what you get, Dave. okay, Back okay, then. okay, 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 Bef- okay. Before she yes. kind of like made a mess. Before of she was on TV, I I'm didn't sure find her attractive, really but certainly the majority of people did. like. I I definitely feel like I'm in the minority on that one. So certainly he had a wife that was considered by people to be attractive, but in in my book, okay. the Diamond Doll and Rena are uh, uh, Re- Sable, or whatever. <laughs> I, the I fuck. like the. I'm sorry. I'm just so distracted now. I'm so angry. <laughs> this is the angriest I've been on the show. Sable's real name and then the Diamond Doll. <laughs> they were already calling her Kimberly on TV at that point. You're so they, I think this was the first time they referred to her as Kimberly. Was it? Okay. Uh, he says, like, Kimberly, the former Diamond Doll. Okay. Like, I think this is, they just start to transition the character because they're going to be moving her away from Johnny B. Bad. Let's, let's move on. You're so flustered by the... Oh, <laughs> I've, well, I've tried to keep the show just, from... Just to make sure, though, that we don't miss this line... Yeah. Do you hear that when she comes out, Mongo's like, what's she doing out looking for meat? <laughs> and at that point, like, I, I looked at the roster. Is yeah. there a less sexy 
wrestler on the roster than the booty man. No. <laughs> we, like, I came up with yeah. Dirty Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck. Oh, And even it those is. guys have oh. their charms. Or, or perhaps Scotty Riggs. He's I only, at least young. I, don't I know. only point him out because he does like they do like the handsome thing with him. Yeah, better looking every day, Scotty. Yes. Scotty Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we kind of go back to the match, and the it seems like the entire time that we've been in the Iowa ogling uh, Kimberly Page with her flowers and and theorizing about why she's there, uh, it looks like. The booty man has just been dancing in the ring while Arn just kind of stands there doing nothing. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. what we cut back to, and that's what I imagine has been happening the whole time. And and is this the point where Mongo has a revelation as far as why he's called the booty man? Uh, maybe I don't have a note on that. Why didn't you tell us? <laughs> because it because he says something about how he really really likes to shake his booty because he's like doing like this hip thrusting or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and Mago like realizes that's why he's called the booty <laughs> yeah he's harnessing the power of the booty or yeah. something like that <laughs> and he just he says it like he he's giving inside information to the rest of the guys there it's like i figured it out you guys <laughs> his name is the booty man <laughs> the booty man an atomic drop by the Booty Man sends Arn over into the babyface corner, where Macho Man and Hogan punch him. Booty Man comes off the ropes with a high knee, which will become his pun-based finisher. The <laughs> high knee. Oh, boy. Yep. Uh, but it appears like they haven't named that and like made it into a joke yet, because nobody comments on it. Yeah. So maybe he knows that he's doing that, but like Bischoff hasn't been told, like, ha ha, call it the high knee. Ha ha ha. God. Arn retreats to the heel corner, and uh, for some reason, Macho Man just comes into the ring. He hasn't been tagged or anything, and he just charges like he's going to fight Arn <laughs> for no real reason. It's really weird. And he just Eventually, he backs off and just starts hyping the crowd. So maybe the whole reason was he felt the crowd was a little dead and he wanted to get him back into it. He's a lunatic. Mongo uh, then quotes, or at least vaguely describes, part of The Art of War by Sun Tzu. <laughs> Uh, on the importance of spies and having a spy in the enemy camp. Uh, Bischoff seems like he's making some kind of reference towards WWF because he goes, uh, you know, it's all about the importance of having a spy in the enemy camp, and Mongo goes, Hogan seems to subscribe to that philosophy, and Bush Bischoff goes, I've always believed in that too. Like, he, <laughs> it, I don't know, there's just something in the way he says it where it seems very clear that he's, like, saying... I have spies at WWF. <laughs> Shane McMahon. <laughs> uh, Booty Man gets onto the second rope, and he and Arn exchange some punches, although in my notes I have that they exchange some lunches, which I would really have liked to see. <laughs> Eventually, he just steps down with no payoff to getting up on the second rope and ends up locking on a sleeper hold. Kevin Sullivan comes in and breaks up the sleeper, but then he is comically caught in the sleeper as well. Whoa! <laughs> uh, it seems like they're counting these guys just coming in as tags. Yeah. Because <laughs> because next, Flair comes in, and he doesn't get caught in the sleeper, but he's just allowed to like be in the match now as if he was tagged. It's that like, was also a Kevin Sullivan idea to compete with uh, Lucha Libre that was stealing a little bit. Of their <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> it, it was like with the previous match where it's like, well, if the previous match referees stopped counting tags, all bets are off for the yeah, rest of the I show. don't have to do my job if Nick Patrick won't. <laughs> Uh, Mongo is kind of like he's the one who's getting pissed about it about the ref <laughs> allowing this and Brain tries to explain it away by saying in a match like this nobody could possibly keep track if fucking Mongo can keep track <laughs> a professional referee <laughs> should be able to manage <laughs> Flair struts so the booty man struts too before instructing Flair to kiss his butt <laughs> <laughs> Woo! what did Ric Flair do to deserve that <laughs> 
Off the ropes, the uh, booty man gets a drop toe hold and proceeds to uh, mess up Ric Flair's hair. Take that. (laughs) The booty man dominates Flair in a test of strength. Flair gets back into the heel corner, and the booty man goes off to tag in Macho. Flair gets Macho over in the heel corner, and Arn and Sullivan start wailing on him, causing Randy Anderson uh, to suddenly remember that he left the iron on over in the babyface corner. (laughs) I love my little jokes. (laughs) He just runs over in the babyface corner to warn them to do, I don't know, they're not doing anything. Stop watching so intently. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Don't stare. Bischoff promises us a special interview with Miss Elizabeth coming up on Saturday night. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think the ratings just went through the roof? The highest rated I, episode they ever had. Oh man, I <laughs> I am like morbidly curious as far as like how that turns out. Yeah, because even uh like a pretty like a highly produced uh program like Saturday Night where yeah. it's in the can and they spend time working on it, I still wonder if they can get a good promo out there. I'd be I'll we'll have to find out. That'll be amazing. Bischoff also tells us that there will be no Nitro next week thanks to a special t- TV movie about the Civil War. Uh, <laughs> apparently, it's the it's like a sequel to another TV movie about the Civil War that Turner did. He, uh, yeah, he tried to make it sound like it was a big deal, but yeah. when, he, when he says <laughs> TV movie about the Civil War, that doesn't sound like that. <laughs> uh, so there will be no Nitro next week, but there will be a 20 years of Nitro. We're going to have a bonus episode, uh, and we will be reviewing... The very special episode of Baywatch featuring Hulk Hogan, the Taskmaster, Ric Flair, Vader, Implants, Hasselhoff, and more. <laughs> so uh, be sure and keep your uh, computer <laughs> t- tuned. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, be sure to keep your computer on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep it on. You don't want to miss that episode. So, For the next five weeks. <laughs> uh, we will. We will be with you next week to talk about Baywatch. Uh, back to the action as Macho Man reverses a Ric Flair Irish whip and hits a back body drop as Flair stumbles back from the corner. Flair gets back into the match with an elbow and goes to the top rope, but Macho Man tosses him down. Uh, I've run out of fake moves to say that Flair is going to do on the top rope, so <laughs> <laughs> that, that okay. bit has died. <laughs> <laughs> Macho Man goes for a top rope axe handle but gets a punch in the gut from Flair on his way down. Flair poses and doesn't see Hogan getting tagged in. Flair hits a chop on Hogan, but Hogan gets a clothesline and a back body drop. He gets an Irish whip that sends Flair up and over the top rope. Arn and Sullivan try to get involved, but Hulk clotheslines both out of the ring. Hogan goes for corner punches. Uh, Sullivan goes to interfere, but realizes he's not supposed to. And instead, he just, like, lets Randy Anderson walk him back to the heel corner. He just, like, gets there, and Anderson's like, no, dude. And he's like, oh, okay. And just walks away. Good thing there was that referee there. <laughs> In comes the Booty Man, and they double flare with two big boots for a two count. Booty Man dominates all the heels, because of course he would. <laughs> and the crowd dies. Macho Man tries to confront Liz, but Arn gets in the way, and Macho returns to his corner. Uh, it's- Ma- Macho Man realizes, oh, right, that's my ex-wife over there. <laughs> Halfway through the match. Uh, Flair and Savage have just kind of decided that they're the legal men. I, I don't know who is, so yeah. they're as good as anybody. I'm not opposed to that. <laughs> the women interfere, and Savage uh, grabs them by the hair, but Sullivan attacks him from behind. So I guess Sullivan's legal now, I guess. Uh, he dominates Macho Man, and he wrestles so rarely that you really forget how boring the Taskmaster's offense is. Oh, I don't forget. <laughs> no. Jeez, he's really brutal to watch. 
Arn gets tagged in and he kicks a prone Macho Man. He then slingshots him like throat first up into the ropes. Flair runs Savage into the guardrail in front of a guy in a lucha mask because it's Knoxville and everyone's in costume apparently. <laughs> I guess. Flair beats up the Macho Man uh, on the outside. Back in the ring, Sullivan's tagged in and he continues the domination. He gets a snapmare uh, and a kick and that brings Arn Anderson back into the match. Savage gets back into things with some punches on Arn, but Arn uh, very cleverly traps Randy's foot with his legs to keep him in the heel corner. Uh, it was a real just nice little moment I'm not used to seeing in a match before where mm-hmm. a heel uses his legs to stop the babyface from getting the hot tag. It was real cool. Sullivan's tagged in. Uh, we get a shoulder block from Sullivan that for some reason knocks them both to the mat. <laughs> Sure. You Low can, center of gravity. You get a shot then that really shows how woman actively works the crowd while Liz stands there woodenly facing the ring at all times. Yes. Well, I mean, you also hear her right. yeah. during the matches, Rick! too. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> she does sound like a crow. Yeah, every time Rick! like something happens, like if it's a close, like, Rick! <laughs> uh, Art Anderson and the Booty Man are both tagged in. The Booty Man punches the heels and tags in Hogan. Uh, Sullivan eats a big boot, then Flair gets a big boot, then Arn gets a big boot. <laughs> Leg drop on Arn Anderson for the one, two, three, and Hulk Hogan gets his win back from uh, Arn. Hooray! Did not take long. Flair knees Hogan in the back, and he slumps over onto a turnbuckle. Liz jumps up and tries to <laughs> tries to handcuff Hogan. Like she tries to handcuff him so that he's his arms are around the ri- the ropes and he's stuck there. Yeah, but she cannot do this because she <laughs> she's incompetent at everything she tries. She's awkward and weird and a bad person. Right. <laughs> bad person. Uh, so Hogan kind of has to like handcuff himself, which the camera like has a close up on. Oh, man. They quickly realize that they should not have a close-up of Hogan (laughs) handcuffing himself, so they cut to a wide shot while these dummies struggle with the handcuffs some more. (laughs) Uh, Flair figures out that he needs to get in there and just distract everyone, so he starts whipping Hogan with a strap that he's brought. I think the intention was that Hogan would get handcuffed right away and then get whipped a bunch. But instead, he only gets whipped like three times because this has taken so long. Uh, Hogan sells getting beaten badly. Uh, He's like kind of he's unconscious slumped over the ropes yes. but before the show ends he just like all of a sudden yeah he's awake and he's fine yeah he like he decides you can see the moment on his face where he decides he's not going to sell it anymore <laughs> well i i mean i think that he thought that he was off camera at that point that very well it's could a be. very very end and that is the end of our show uh dave <laughs> what was your segment of the night <laughs> Uh, segment of the night. I think I would go with um, the match of Big Bubba Rogers versus Sting, uh, because it was considering it was it essentially it was a throwaway match that they set up. It was really entertaining, and just I I would say like we talked about earlier, Big Bubba Rogers in general um, can just surprise you with how entertaining he could be. John, segment of the night. Uh, my segment of the night is uh, the Lex Luger and Renegade match. Um, like I said, I, I love heel Lex Luger a lot, and um, I like that his kind of approach to the match as far as the psychology was that he was just going to be this prima donna who was in the ring with a guy that he felt like couldn't lace his boots. So, you know, he's, like, walking around, like, bouncing his pecs and flexing and giggling and all that stuff, and then he's just bumping like crazy every time Renegade hits him, and 
and the match actually serves both guys pretty well because you know not only does Renegade look like he's about to beat a big time guy like Lex Luger, but Luger, I mean, gets the chicken shit win, and it it furthers his characters, keeps you invested in his kind of dynamic with Sting. So I went with that match. All right, for my uh, segment of the night, I'm going to go with just before that. I'm going with the uh, Sting Luger and Road Warriors promo. Uh, also, just for how Luger is in it, I think he's fantastic. Uh, all the Chicago this and that, you're not from the real Chicago stuff, gets boring. Uh, mm-hmm. But overall, I just thought the the Luger character is hilarious. Accepting a street fight match, uh, uh, Chicago street fight, and then saying like he didn't know the rules to what that was, so that's why he was so <laughs> enthusiastic about it. Right. That's just hilarious. That's classic. <laughs> uh, in my MVP of the show, I'm going to give it to Big Bubba. He was a real breath of fresh air. We haven't seen him in a long time, and uh, he made me feel like I, I wish that it's not such a long time till he appears again. Just great in his match, great classic heel work. Uh, I think it was you, Dave, who said, or maybe John, said, unlike a lot of the big men monster heels, he's one that really knows his character, what type of heel he is. Yeah. And uh, I just thought he was great. So he was my MVP. John, what about you? Uh, Mine's Lex Luger kind of for those same reasons. I thought his character work was great. And in what should have been kind of just a a nothing match, uh, he managed to get himself and the Renegade and... And Jimmy Hart and Sting, I think everyone benefited from that, so I'll go total package. All right, Dave, your MVP. Um, I think I will get my MVP to Lex Luger as well. Um, and I I think it's mo- mostly that uh, for his resolution that like if I give Renegade the win, then maybe you'll like me, Sting. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was a <laughs> I think that was a a pretty great moment. And also, uh, the thing I didn't see because i watched it a second time all the like kind of the good reactions that lex has during the world warriors talking i never expected him to like have like character like when he's not supposed to be talking right so that was kind of like surprising (laughs) so i i yeah and and like considering the matches like the renegade versus lex uger could have been awful but just him being in this in this zone of his character just made it a lot better. So I, I give him to Luger as well. In our raw recap, as Bischoff pretty much told us earlier, uh, Jake Roberts defeated Isaac Yankum DDS diesel defeated Bob Holly. Ahmed Johnson defeated uh, jobber and Yoko Zuna defeated Owen Hart and Davy boy Smith via disqualification. In our ratings roundup, nitro won the week with a 3.2 to Raw's 3.1. Uh, very close, and that is a new record for total wrestling fans in a uh, given week. Oh, so both both shows are very successful this week. Uh, Raw in the build up to WrestleMania, uh, Nitro in the unending slog towards uncensored. <laughs> 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 Although I do think I will say that I do think Nitro has the superior show to this point, uh, just that they're sort of in different periods of their calendar year. That's yeah, all. Mm-hmm. yeah. You also have to factor in that it's. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and the Booty Man versus Flair and Anderson and Taskmaster right. going head-to-head against Diesel versus Bob Holly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the objectives on both shows are obviously pretty different. In, uh, in our big wrestling news of the week, Scott Hall sent a telegram to Vince McMahon on February 21st, officially giving his 90-day notice that he's leaving the company. On the same day, Scott Hall was suspended by the WWF for six weeks uh, apparently for a drug test. Kind mm. of weird that the results came in on that same day. Mm. <laughs> you said a telegram? Uh, apparently. <laughs> cool. Hall, Hall <laughs> claims that the uh, 
drug test was six weeks old and normally you hear the results within a couple days so just giving more to the fact that this is bullshit mm-hmm. and the suspension of course lasts until just a couple days past wrestlemania no so WrestleMania he will miss paycheck. yeah he'll yep. miss the biggest payday of the year uh which would have been his last payday before leaving you know he gave a fucking 90 day notice to the company that is so much more professional than you see in yes. almost any scenario in wrestling mm-hmm. and this is how vince mcmahon responds like a petulant fucking child and not only that but like they they had uh i I know that they had invested in this razor ramon versus goldust match at wrestlemania right. so he's like literally throwing money away just to like exact his revenge it's ridiculous vince uh the reason vince claims he's upset is because uh scott hall was like just on a leg of the tour and could have told any number of wwf employees but mm-hmm. instead waited until he got home from the tour to send the notice. Who cares? <laughs> it's still a 90-day notice. Yeah, right. Fuck you. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like, anytime someone wants to leave a job, it's like, I would prefer not to, like, just be standing there in my boss's face saying, right. like, I'm quitting. Yeah. I think it's easier for everyone involved if I just send a message so we don't have to have this awkward t- conversation about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and, and like Dave said, they definitely had a lot invested in Razor Mo versus Goldust at WrestleMania, which just kind of shows the degree to which, you know, Vince will, you know, cut off the nose to spite the face. Because, like, they had right. graphics built for it, and they had already been promoting it as, like, a Miami street fight, and instead they turned it into the Hollywood backlot brawl and all that. So um, I'm sure seeing all that, he probably wasn't that upset to be leaving. Yeah. <laughs> was, was, it, was it billed as a Miami street fight? Yeah, yeah. They, in, they like, they had graphics. In Anaheim? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, this just like Chicago street fight in I know, Biloxi I'll just, or I would, whatever. I was just noting for the um, fact that, uh, yeah. that both both promotions do the same thing. Yeah, but no, they had they had graphics built for it and everything like that. I guess they'd already been like promoting it locally as being on yeah, the show. So. I, I know that if you go online, you can find like the Razor Ramon yeah. Goldust like promo, like yeah, like they they spent money on that, and he's yeah. like, no, no. If he's gonna leave my company, yeah, and especially fuck him. since they w- they probably would have gotten some more buys from keeping Razor Ramon on the oh, show sure. versus throwing Roddy Piper because Roddy Piper they had already promoted as being the commissioner. He was already gonna be there anyway. Right. I don't think adding a match with him really increased viewership, but removing Razor Ramon for very um, dubious reasons cost him money. Scott Hall says that during his time in the WWF, he was uh, he was always on a one year deal that would automatically roll over to the next year. So this 90 day notice is a notice essentially that he doesn't want the deal to roll over when it expires. Mm -hmm. He says uh, that all he was guaranteed from this contract were 10 matches a year at no less than one hundred and fifty dollars a match. So your base guarantee from that contract is only one thousand five hundred dollars. Of course, they would make a lot more money than that based off merchandise and everything. But all of that goes through McMahon and McMahon determines what rates and the rates that you get for like a payoff from a pay-per-view are from like a formula that only McMahon knows or understands. So there's like really <laughs> like a ESPN's lot of the ends QBR. You don't know what all the variables are. <laughs> no, there, there's there are, just yeah. a lot of times these guys, I mean, they're making good money, but it's all through a very arbitrary system mm-hmm. and it leaves them open to wondering why they're not making a lot more money. Yeah, and I think too one of his um one of his beefs was he didn't even necessarily want to have like the higher guarantee or anything like that. He just wanted to get a bigger slice of his merchandise, which he, I guess was selling as well as anybody else's. And obviously, he was just about the coolest character on the show. Yeah, and I guess everyone like he found out later that basically everyone else got what he asked for in the merchandise. So 
Yeah, he had complaints uh, largely about the storyline with Goldust. He did not like the uh, homoerotic aspects to that feud. Um, and also the the money issue. Uh, you know, he's one of these guys where he's good at wrestling, but he's first and foremost looks at as a business. Mm-hmm. You know, he's here to make money, and that's just it. He goes back and says that that's something he heard. Shit, I forget if it was Wahoo McDaniel or Chief J Strongbow. One of the guys who broke him in originally mm-hmm. told him you can make friends or you can make money, and he always took that to heart, you know? Yeah. Um, so he has an offer on the table from a wrestling organization, which will remain nameless <clears throat> until a future date. <laughs> but if you're listening to the show, you probably know. Uh, he went to McMahon to try to make things work. He had a meeting dr- with McMahon, and he says Vince flat out refused to offer any guaranteed money. And at that point, he, uh, according to the shoot interview I saw, he, you know, first he wanted guaranteed money. Vince said no. He said, "Well, okay, how about you just give me a little higher cut of the merchandise?" He says, "Okay, the the guarantee is Vince McMahon paying you his money. Vince won't do that." He said, "Okay, well, the merchandise." That's the fans' money. Just give me more of their money. Yeah. And Vince said no. And then he said, okay, let me – right now you don't let guys go wrestle in Japan. Let me go wrestle in Japan a few times a year, and let me take some of their money. Yeah. <laughs> and Vince still said no. Yeah. So at that point, Hall Hall decided that he was going to give his notice and, and write off uh, – to another company which we will find out about later who could it be <laughs> we'll certainly tell you here where the big boys play 20 years of nitro life magazine called it the harvard of professional wrestling abc's good morning america gave it a rave review the wcw power plant will help you reach your potential they'll train your body work on your moves and motivate you to be your best the wcw power plant the number one wrestling facility in the world. Call now to set up a tryout at 404-351-4959.